Do you struggle with specific parenting issues and don't know where to turn for help? Do you wish you had access to encouraging and practical help rather than unsolicited advice from well-meaning relatives, friends, or that outspoken expert on Facebook who doesn't even have kids? Well, then we are so glad you're joining us for today's episode. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for updates so you'll always know about new podcast episodes. You'll also receive a free gift from Ginger when you sign up. I'm so excited for our first and hopefully the first of many Ask Ginger episodes, or as we like to call it around here, Q&A day. In previous episodes, we encouraged you, our listeners, to submit your parenting questions by going to gingerhubbard.com slash askginger. And we've already received a good many questions. But before we get to those, here's a quick word from our sponsor. I read something online recently that really pricked my heart. It said, the church should handle adoption and caring for the fatherless like we handle the Great Commission. While not everyone is called to adopt, everyone does play a role in caring for the fatherless. Friends, this is why Ginger and I are thrilled to share more about our sponsor, Lifeline Children's Services. Lifeline believes that adoption is one way that God provides families for vulnerable children who need to know the love of Christ and the love of a family. They walk with foster and adoptive families and provide them with parent coaching, educational services, and professional counseling so they can better nurture and disciple their children. Whether you're a foster or adoptive family who could use support services, or if, like my family, you want to support those who have opened their homes to these precious children, you can find out more at lifelinechild.org. Again, that's lifelinechild.org. Lifeline brings gospel hope to vulnerable children. Hey, Ginger, happy first Q&A day. Yeah, happy first Q&A day to you, Katie, and to our listeners. We, like you just said, we have been so excited with all the questions you guys have already submitted through the website. And, you know, I actually want to admit that as we prepared and started recording these episodes, they're all based on the content of my books. And I sort of had this panic hit me at times because I started thinking, well, what if we run out of materials? Because I only (laughs) have so much you know, material in my books. But you guys have really eased my panic for sure. Mm. We are not going to run out of material because the awesome questions that you guys have been submitting on the website. So keep those questions coming. And we certainly uh, don't have all the answers. But here on the podcast, we do love to help parents think through how to address different struggles that their children are facing. That's right, Ginger. So we're just going to jump right in. Here's what Natasha in Arkansas asked us to address. She writes, My child is such a picky eater. Unless it's a food she likes, pretty much every meal is a battle. We try to eat dinner together as a family most nights, but it typically winds up being a power struggle that doesn't make for a pleasant time around the table. Do you have any suggestions? Well, first, I would like to commend Natasha for making it a priority to have family meals together because it's just so hard to do that these days with everybody's busy schedules. But having dinner together as a family is one of the few times in our busy lives that we can just sit and talk and laugh and just do pretty much nothing but enjoy each other's company. And Natasha's right. Having a picky eater really can create tension and even anger 
around the table rather than it being a time to nurture relationships. And, you know, I say that from personal experience because my daughter was a very picky eater. And so I can really relate and sympathize to parents dealing with that issue. And I know that there's lots of opinions out there on how to handle picky eaters. And since there really aren't any hard, fast laws or advice about it in the Bible, and you guys are going to hear me say this over and over, especially on these episodes where it just boils down to practical advice, I can certainly tell you how I handled it in our home. But I can't tell you that it's the only way or even the best way. But one thing I do know is that as moms, it can be helpful for us just to share those tried and true practical ideas with each other when there's not a cut and dry biblical solution. So that's what I'm going to do. But before I launch into how I handled my picky eater, I do want to encourage you uh, that if you have a picky eater, that you pray about it, talk with your spouse about it, and come up with a solution that you both agree on. Because I really don't think there's a one-size-fits-all solution here. Do you, Katie? No, this is so true, Ginger. I think as human beings, um, especially human beings who are on social media, uh, we have the tendency to take our own convictions and preferences and assume that if everyone else applies them to their lives, it will just poof, fix everything. And, you know, we see it time and time again with issues like homeschooling, breastfeeding, so many other topics. Um, So I appreciate that you share at the outset what is a truly clear biblical mandate and what is advice from your own experience. So Ginger, because you and I actually have different ways of solving this with our own kids, I'd like for you to give us your thoughts first, and then I'll follow up with what we do here in our home. Okay, that sounds good. But before I do that, I I just want to say that I really liked what you said there about us having a natural tendency to think that if folks would just do things in accordance with our convictions and our preferences, (laughs) uh, that all would be well. Because I have to be honest, that that pricked my heart when you said that. Uh, I'm just going to make a confession here. Katie, when you first read my notes for this episode and came back with, well, I actually handled picky eaters differently in our home. (laughs) My first inclination was to say, wait, what? I thought you said you loved my parenting book. So why aren't you handling picky eaters the same way I did? Because I'm not a very good cook, and that would just be cruel to my children, Ginger. That's why. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm actually glad, Katie, that you guys handled it differently so that we can offer those two different perspectives. Mm -hmm. And there's probably way more than two different perspectives, but I'm glad that here we're going to both get to share ours. um, Because here's the thing. All kids are unique. God created us and knows us all as individuals. And as individuals, He knew that we would think differently and respond differently in accordance with the unique way that He made us. And, you know, that's all part of His plan for us as the body of Christ. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. In Psalm 39.13, David proclaimed, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And then in Isaiah 64.8, it says, Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. What's so amazing is that we're not only created in the image of God, but we're fully known by God. In fact, we are so individually created and known by our Lord that Jesus says in Matthew 10, 30, even the very hairs on your head are numbered. 
clearly, like us, all of our children are sovereignly created with their own personalities and temperaments and talents and strengths and weaknesses and preferences and tastes that make them all unique. So it stands to reason that when we, their God-given parents, seek the Lord for wisdom and discernment on their behalf, He gives it to us in accordance with His will and what's uniquely best for our kids. So even though it's okay for us to encourage and share ideas uh, for, that worked for our kids regarding these gray areas, such as picky eating, I think we can all agree that the best thing we can do is to seek the Lord as far as the best way to handle these sort of issues, because He knows our children better than anyone, and He loves our children more than anyone, and His ways are, high, are higher than our ways. So... I'm going to share how the Lord led me to handle our picky eater, and then Katie's going to share how the Lord led her to handle her picky eater. But we do encourage you guys to pray for God's leading and how you might handle it with your kids. And we just want you to know that that might look completely different from the way that we did it with ours. As we say here in the South, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Now, I don't know why we say that, and I don't know who's skinning the cats, and I don't know what they're doing with the cats once once they've been skinned, but that's beside the point. I'm pretty sure we're going to get uh, hate mail from PETA and get on their naughty list for that phrase. Maybe we should just say that there's more than one way to clean your plate. Let's do that. (laughs) You're so clever. (laughs) Okay, so here's how I handle picky eating in our home. Because I wanted meals together to be a special time that we all looked forward to as a family, I didn't make picky eating a discipline issue. I personally believe that trying to force a child to eat something that they don't want to eat is a losing battle anyway. Mm. And I have yet to find a parent with a magic solution. In my experience, trying to force a child to eat only creates a power struggle that usually ends up with frustrated parents and crying children, which (laughs) doesn't make for a pleasant gathering around the table. So in our family, I had a very simple and easy rule. If you choose to eat everything on your plate, there will be dessert and possibly a snack before the next meal. If you do not eat everything on your plate, there will be nothing but water until the next meal. It was that simple. And for my kids, it worked. I didn't nag, I didn't beg, I didn't bribe, and I didn't give in to the demands of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich rather than the meal I prepared. But now what I did do to show grace and mercy is I put very small portions on the plate of my picky eater so that she wouldn't be overwhelmed and so that it wouldn't be too much to ask or expect. And when I say small portions, I'm really talking about the bare minimum amount, just a few bites of each food item that I prepared um, that I felt would pretty much do nothing more than keep her from starving. And after cleaning her plate, which was easy to do because it was such a small amount, if she wanted seconds of something, that was great. She could have seconds of whatever she wanted, of whatever she liked. But if she did not clean her plate, the rule of nothing but water until that next meal was a given. And so you see, I put the ball in her court. It was her choice, not a power struggle. And let me tell you something, because I didn't allow snacks or even juice, because juice can really fill them up too. When I didn't allow those things on the days that she chose to not eat her lunch, she was always good and hungry by dinner time. Believe me, your children will not allow themselves to starve to death. (laughs) You know, you guys have seen all those movies of people crashing in a plane out in the middle of nowhere and and the stuff that they'll eat to stay alive. It's just not human (laughs) nature to let ourselves starve. That's very true. Um, Ginger, as you mentioned, we have very different ways of handling the picky eaters in our home. But again, we both believe that there's more than one way to solve an issue like this. Or skin a cat. 
or for some people stranded in the middle of nowhere, eat a cat. <laughs> you know, for an Auburn fan, you sure are picking on cats a lot today. So look out, Tigers. Ginger's gunning for you. <laughs> well, as parents, it's our job to teach them how to have a healthy relationship with food. I think that's really paramount. We've never required our children to eat everything on their plates. So we ask them to eat until they're satisfied rather than full. Um, I don't want them to confuse overeating with satisfaction. So we give them what we believe is a healthy portion and we let their bodies decide when they are done. Um, And that's something else to consider when we're discussing picky eaters, what we feed our kids. So if my kids had to choose between a donut or oatmeal for breakfast, I think that's a pretty easy choice for them to make. That's an easy choice for me to make. So in our house, we call donuts sometimes foods. I'm pretty sure we stole that from Cookie Monster, who, by the way, Cookie Monster eats carrots now. Did you know that? No. Are you kidding me? No. <laughs> Cookie Monster eats carrots now. What yeah, is yeah. happening in the world? Well, I think that was poor branding in the beginning, maybe. And yeah, Cookie. <laughs> Cookie's now Carrot Monster, I guess. <laughs> So our thinking is that if we feed them sometimes foods more than sometimes, we're going to have a battle on our hands during mealtimes because they likely won't care for the things that are most nutritious because, you know, those sometimes foods are often more addictive. So in our house, if anyone says that they're still hungry and want more of those sometimes foods, we offer them fruits and vegetables instead. Or since our boys especially can eat like they haven't eaten in a week every time they sit down to the table, we actually require that they finish their vegetables and usually a bit more of them before they can have more like macaroni and cheese, for example. Mm -hmm. Now, our oldest could eat five cheeseburgers if we'd let him. I'm not kidding. (laughs) But we often tell him that just because he could doesn't mean that he should. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's true with so many things in life. Just because we could doesn't Mm -hmm. mean we should. It's all about teaching them self-control with their bodies. So a little bit of a good thing, you know, or something they really enjoy is still a good thing. Um, Another thing that helps us during mealtime is that we limit snacks except for fruits and veggies. They have free reign anytime they want a fruit or a vegetable to go to the kitchen and do that. But they're good and hungry usually by mealtime. So when they're so hungry that they're almost on the verge of tears, that's when they'll really appreciate the plate full of broccoli. (laughs) That's what we've discovered. (laughs) I don't want them in tears, but we like to get right (laughs) close to the cusp of it. Um, I think many of our dinnertime arguments were the result of our kids snacking in the afternoon, and then they weren't hungry enough to eat their dinner. Mm -hmm. Now, this point is where you and I differ on this issue for the most part, Ginger. Our youngest has been very picky since day one. And I actually attribute much of that to our vegan diet during his toddler years. That's another story for another day. It was a disaster. Mm -hmm. Um, But he really didn't care for meat at all. So, sorry, he doesn't care for meat at all still. Uh, No burgers, hot dogs, tacos, chicken nuggets, anything like that. Um, And on top of that, he won't eat nachos, cheese dip, pasta. So basically he's un-American is what we figured out. Um, And even though I'm a fairly healthy cook at home, there are times, Ginger, when I'm just like, could you just eat some good old-fashioned junk food like the rest of us? I mean, it would it would really make life so much easier. Katie's such a unique mom. I know, right? But the one time I actually required him to eat a chicken nugget, we were in the middle of Chick-fil-A. He threw it up in my hand. Oh, no. While I was eating. I mean, that's motherhood if I've ever ever experienced it. My child is vomiting in my hand and I'm still eating. So (laughs) sorry if any of you are eating while you're listening to this. (laughs) So needless to say, we don't want to fight that battle on a daily basis with him. And we don't force our kids to eat, even if it's a meal that we made. Now, I know that's not at all 
the way some families do it, and that's totally fine. Um, but we actually give our little guy a choice. If he tries a few bites, usually two or three, like you do, Ginger, um, or did, um, of whatever we make for dinner, he's welcome to have peanut butter and jelly if he doesn't care for it. But that's mm-hmm. his only choice, peanut butter and jelly, which is fine with him because his actual goal in life is to eat six peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in one day. So <laughs> since he's mostly vegetarian by choice, I'd likely have to make two meals anyway. And mm-hmm. since the rest of us no longer care to live without meat, this is just the compromise we've made that suits our family. So our oldest was the same way though, and he refused to eat anything that had sauce on it. So he pretty much spent his toddler years eating plain pasta and peanut butter. But now, you know, he's 10 years old um, as of this recording, and he has quite a a range of food that he enjoys. So I actually kind of have a theory about this. I'm not a dietitian or a doctor, but this is my theory. I think that younger kids struggle to eat such a wide variety of foods like we have in our modern diets. Hmm. So we can access foods from all over the world. And I just think that many changes on a regular basis is probably overwhelming for their little bodies. Mm -hmm. So that's just my two cents on, you know, the variety of foods. We try to offer that. And sometimes it can backfire when a child really just wants the same thing every single day. Mm I don't know if you and your family have jumped on the monthly membership bandwagon, but my family really has. There are several that we get super excited about, but one of my kids' absolute favorites is called Dwell. Dwell is a monthly membership of scripture designs to help you and your family memorize one Bible verse every month. So we have what's called the Family and Friends membership, and it includes a four by five and a half print of the scripture verse, two key cards with the verse, and this is my favorite part, nine temporary tattoos. The designs are just beautiful, and I think this is a perfect Christmas or a birthday gift that doesn't include just more plastic stuff laying around the house. Actually, I have a funny story about my dwell tattoo. I was having dinner with my parents one night, and I had one on my wrist because we were learning John 8:36. Well, my dad saw it and asked if I had a new tattoo on my arm, and I was like, yeah, Dad, I've had this for almost 10 years. <laughs> and he said, well, I never noticed that before. <laughs> And then I had to confess that I lied to my dad about a fake scripture tattoo. So, you know, don't be like me. To learn more about this wonderful way to help you and your family hide God's Word in your heart, just go to dwelldifferently.com and sign up today. Again, that's dwell, D-W-E-L-L, differently.com. Now is the part of our show where we give a quick tip for parents. This is one of my favorite parts of the show because it reminds us that parenting isn't meant to be done alone. If the coronavirus has taught us anything, it's that we weren't meant to live in isolation. Isn't that the truth? Yes. So today's quick tip is a fun way to get young kids excited about eating different kinds of foods. So when our kids were toddlers, we bought these plates. They're ceramic plates called the Mr. Food Face plates. There's also a Mrs. Food Face, in case you're wondering. And these kid-sized dinner plates are illustrated with a face on them. And kids can put different foods around it to make hilarious faces. So we would put things like bell pepper strips for hair or, you know, blueberries for the eyes. And in order to change the face, they have to eat what's on the plate. Mm. And it's just a fun way to get the kids to try different foods without even realizing what's happening. That is great. I love that. That wasn't around when mine were little. That's a really good idea. Fun. It's a really cute idea. Yeah. So we'll put a link to those plates actually in our show notes for today's episode. 
If you have a quick tip for our show, we would love to hear from you. It can be any random tip about cooking, housekeeping, uh, something you do with your kids, ideas for fun date nights, anything at all. We would love to share your ideas on the podcast. Just go to gingerhubbard.com slash quick tips to submit those. So I think a good question to ask ourselves if we're faced with this battle of the wills at mealtime is, what is the purpose of mealtime? Is it to fellowship with our family and share the gift of good food? Mm -hmm. Or if you live in my house, mediocre food? (laughs) (laughs) Or is it our purpose to force our families to scarf something down quickly so we can get back to what we were doing or piano or ballet, baseball practice, whatever? So I know from our experience that many of the conflicts in my house arise when our schedule is hectic. Mm -hmm. So that's another topic for another day, but it's worth considering what our goal is at mealtime and then work from there. Mm, Very good points, Katie. And also a really good plan to consider as our listeners pray about how to handle this issue with their kids. Now, this is somewhat off topic of picky eaters. Well, maybe it is and maybe it's not. I guess it depends on the child's motive. But I'm thinking some of our listeners might be asking, okay, so what about the younger child who arches his back and pitches an angry fit in protest to the food (laughs) that you placed in front of him? Because that's a thing too, right? Mm. Well, I had one of those as well. And here is what worked for mine. I think I said this a little bit earlier, um, but that we are always wise to avoid power struggles. So when my child threw a fit at mealtime, I would calmly take him from his high chair or his booster chair at the table and deposit him in his crib in his room and gently say, sweetheart, you may not eat with us until you have self-control. Now, of course, he would be screaming and arching his back and red face, you know, the whole thing. But I would just keep my voice gentle and kind, but also Mm. firm. And I was very consistent in handling it this way. And let me tell you, it didn't take long. Now, it did take a few times, but he eventually began to realize that it's so much more fun to be around the table with my family than all alone in my room pitching a fit. Mm Mm-hmm. And also, let me just say one more thing about picky eaters. If there are just a few foods that your child genuinely doesn't like, so maybe he's not so much a picky eater, but just a few foods that genuinely doesn't like, you might consider being sensitive to that and just avoid putting those on the plate, or at least just put a bite or two of that particular food Both of my kids genuinely hated mashed potatoes, and I really think that's because mashed potatoes was the only food, one of the only foods, that I could keep down when I was pregnant. (laughs) I was not a very good pregnant person. I was one of those moms who wasn't just sick the first trimester. I was sick the entire pregnancy. I mean, I'm talking vomiting several times a day and always feeling queasy. It was miserable for me. Um, Even walking past the meat department in the grocery store. Well, let's let's just say <laughs> that wasn't a very good idea for me. <laughs> oh, and to make matters even worse, when I was pregnant with Wes, my first, I ran the register at our family restaurant, which specialized in fried chicken fingers. Oh, so no. the smell of that grease heating up at 10 o'clock in the morning for getting ready for our lunch rush, Mm-mm. also not a good idea for me. Mm-mm. I know what you're talking about with that meat thing during pregnancy. I could not be in the house if ground beef was being cooked. My husband had to do that. And then I could come in once it was done, but oh, mm-hmm. it made me totally nauseous. I know. It's awful. But all that to say, because mashed potatoes was one of the only foods that I could keep down when I was pregnant, so that was pretty much what my kids lived on for nine months, I think they were genuinely sick of mashed potatoes <laughs> by the time they were born. So I was sensitive to that, and I decided that it would just be cruel to put mashed potatoes on those kids' plates. Mm. Now, 
Now, I will say that they both actually love mashed potatoes today, but mm. it took a, they were adults before they developed a taste for them. Well, Ginger, as we like to do on this show, will you please offer Natasha and all of our listeners some encouragement as they seek to avoid having a child throw up in their hands while they're trying to eat? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I hope that what Katie and I have shared in this podcast has been helpful to you, Natasha. We appreciate you asking the question. We hope it's been helpful to um, all of our listeners and that we've given you guys uh, just some ideas to think about and to pray about and that you'll be able to settle on a plan that works best for your family. But whatever your plan, we hope we've inspired you to keep the family table an encouraging time of being together, not an angry battle of wills. And be encouraged yourselves. Picky eaters, back archers, fit throwers, they do grow up. Listeners, if you have a parenting question, we would love to answer it on the show so others can be encouraged as well. Believe me, there probably aren't many questions out there that Ginger hasn't already heard. So head over to gingerhubbard.com slash askginger to submit your questions today, and we'll do our best to answer it in a future episode. If you enjoyed our show and want to hear more, we really encourage you to subscribe to our podcast wherever it is you're listening. And while you're there, could you please leave us a rating or a review? This is a great help to us to get the word out about our podcast so that other parents can be encouraged to reach the hearts of their children. And be sure to visit gingerhubbard.com slash podcast where you can find our show notes, which will include links to anything we mentioned in today's episode. And while you're there, you can find Ginger's wonderful resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. Today, we're offering her parenting book, I Can't Believe You Just Said That, Biblical Wisdom for Taming Your Child's Tongue at a 10% discount when you use the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God. If 2020 taught us anything, it's that homeschooling is doable for almost any family, but that doesn't mean it's easy. One thing my husband and I do for ourselves every year is to go to our favorite homeschooling convention called Teach Them Diligently. There, we hear from amazing speakers who are just truly experts in their fields, including one of my favorite speakers, Ginger Hubbard. You may have heard of her. (laughs) She'll be at all four in-person events this year. Teach Them Diligently is more than just a convention, though. It's a trusted community of like-minded homeschoolers, and they provide helpful content to equip you to homeschool and disciple your children better. My husband and I have been to other homeschooling conventions and... You know, one thing I noticed about Teach Them Diligently is that it is truly Christ-centered and family-focused. For more information about the upcoming virtual and in-person Teach Them Diligently events, visit teachthemdiligently.net. Again, that's teachthemdiligently.net. 